I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is primarily created, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to elders both past and present and extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today. And it's just constantly reminding yourself that you made it this far, they saw something in you, just yeah. go with that, go with what you're confident doing. Just because you're saying all those things to yourself doesn't necessarily help. My name's Emily McKnight, and this is An Actor Survives, a podcast that digs deep into Australia's most creative minds to uncover the tools you need to survive a career as an actor. Welcome, Jade, to An Actor Survives. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, So tell us, how long have you been an actor? And what was the first moment that you felt comfortable to call yourself an actor? I have been acting probably since 2012, 2013, which is also around the time that I started studying drama school. Um, Prior to that, obviously, I'd I was like one of those kids that was like doing all the short courses and at NIDA at other acting classes where most of it was just improv and space jump. But I did that for for a very long time. Um, (laughs) But I don't think I've properly called myself an actor until I graduated and started, I guess, getting paid for it. (laughs) It's a bit sad, but um, I started the paid acting work with uh, children's theatre. So I was, um, I went into schools doing a lot of history shows. I also worked for a company in the Blue Mountains where I grew up doing like shows like Mother Goose. Um, And a lot of them were at like toy factories or at public parks and things like that. Um, But I I kind of fell into children's theatre first and kept doing it and I'm still doing it um but only in the last three years I've confidently been labeling myself as an actor prior to that if people ask me I go I I do some acting or I'm I'm an actor I won't say it very confidently but now Mm. I'm like that's what I do because it's all I know how to do now Mm. you said you sort of fell into the children's stuff is that and you've continued to do it has it Is it kind of a passion of yours then to kind of follow that path or is it just that's the work that's come along? It's definitely become more of a passion. I didn't start that way. It was just, um, I think I just saw a job listing in the Blue Mountains and I was like 2012 or something, so, you know, 10 years ago. I just did it because I thought this seems like something I could do, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I wasn't amazing at it to start with in the sense that it was such a different type of performing art to what I'd kind of been taught. There's so many different um, skill sets to it that uh, didn't fall naturally to me. But I ended up being so grateful to the people around me and teachers and stuff teaching me how to do that and just the sort of prospect of knowledge and getting better at something makes you excited to do it again and again and again and then when I started doing it in a more serious capacity I say serious in quotations I started going into schools as opposed to public parks Um, I started feeling really confident about what I was capable of um, which eventually led to me directing children's theatre too because I had been doing it for so long and I'm making it sound like that's all I do it's not it's just was such a turning point for me career-wise that it's sort of where I started calling myself an actor. Yeah. You're someone that I know has gone from job to job to job and every time I see you, you seem to have another um, successful (laughs) um, audition or or whatever. So um, I'd love to kind of hear about your experience as an actor over the years and a year like this year for you where kind of, I don't know, is it full-time acting almost? Um, It... It definitely feels different. There is a different sense of, I think, all the work that I'd done over the last 10 years was freelance. So constantly it was just this 
this job of trying to figure out what the next gig is and um, constantly doing my own searching for work. Whereas the last couple of years, it's sort of evened out to a pace where I can go, I'm it's coming to me, which is a very, I feel um, almost uncomfortable saying that, almost like I'm being cocky and I'm not, but it is, it is, and that's a first for me. Yeah. Um, do, you mean, do you mean that you're kind of getting calls saying like, hey, do you want this job? Or do you mean that just things are turning up more without you looking for them? Um, the first one. Right. So um, just people I've worked with are now calling me going, would you like to do this project now um, and I'm auditioning less because I'm kind of working for the kind of people I've always wanted to work for and I'm really happy in that zone um, I've forgotten your initial question I went on a tangent uh, it was a great tangent because I think <laughs> that's important to find joy in that but also to go through that experience that change of experience from looking for the work to having the work kind of come to you yeah yeah, it weirdly, it properly started for me in 2020. Is that when first lockdown, first COVID? Yeah. Um, where a lot of actors I know lost work. Mm. It, it was the start of my journey. Ah, so you're one of those people where actually the <sighs> pandemic has given you work. It, as opposed... it, it was, yeah. it was um, all timing. In 2019, I auditioned for magic beach which is a kids show based on the book by alison lester and it was for a company i've always wanted to work for uh cdp theater producers they do uh really big children's theater like the gruffalo and 13 story treehouse and like really big kids books and when i got it it just so happened that the tour really really long tour started at the beginning of lockdown but through some miracle I managed to tour all the way through lockdown I did quarantine in Western Australia for two weeks and from there I could go anywhere I just couldn't go back to New South Wales right I see so I um I went everywhere in Australia almost the tour ended up going for about two years because of you know some like Melbourne for example we couldn't Mm. get in there so that was delayed um and from there that company in particular I've been very lucky that they've wanted to work with me again on multiple projects so that's been an ongoing contracts come up fairly regularly for them and then uh, of course Sport for Jove happened which was uh, the other dream company I wanted to work for and when I got that honestly I was on cloud I was on cloud nine yeah <laughs> that just doesn't happen <laughs> What do you mean it doesn't happen? It doesn't happen. <laughs> it hadn't happened. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it does happen. Uh, I think I just, you spend so many years wanting something and working towards something and then reality hits you and you go, maybe it won't happen and that's okay. And then it does. And you go, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of like, you know, some people call it manifesting that kind of, dreaming and wishing and hoping but also mm-hmm. working towards which is always the caveat I add when I am talking about manifesting it's like yep you can have the intentions you can have the dreams you can know what you want you can even write it down whatever whatever works for you in terms of that goal setting but you've got to also be working towards it not just sit and go I want this please oh I'm a firm believer in working for it I think yeah. it's just also reminding yourself that you've worked for it mm. I know, I'm a person that I go, Mm. I'm just so lucky. Yeah. Like, wow, how did I just magically get this job? And it's like, oh, yeah, because (laughs) you did this, 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 this. And And I think when you have been working at something for so many years, Mm. you're just sort of like, well, that's just my life. Am I working at it or is it just who I am? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then good things come from it and you go, ah, it's because I spent so long working for it not manifesting it working for it yeah so yeah that that's a really important thing to say (laughs) yeah I think so and you know I think having that quiet confidence is is important too that like believing in yourself that you can get those things but also 
rolling with the punches and seeing where else life does take you because maybe you don't get to that exact thing straight away but you get to go off and do all these other wonderful things and it, it can be easy for people to kind of go like no that's not the thing yeah that's that's really interesting that process and it is kind of the process of being an actor in a way isn't it but I had an audition the other day and it was terrible it was appalling I did terrible acting because I was so nervous and I just haven't been nervous in an audition room for such a long time and what it did for me is it went okay I just need to practice more yeah well it's an instrument Mm. your body is an instrument and you can learn the instrument, but if you put it down for too long, you're going to have a period of going, oh, do I remember how to play it? Exactly. It is exactly that. And I, I, I definitely realise that for myself. Oh, that just gives me flashbacks to so many times. I think the f- I have a really early memory. I was auditioning for my first musical theatre. I'm not a singer, but I was like very young. I think I was like 13 years old. It was for my local... Um, Blue Mountains Musical Society production and I was my audition piece was on my own Eponine I can sing a bit but I'm not a singer you know and I've never had this experience in my life um I couldn't control my legs my legs started shaking and I, I remember I don't remember singing I know sound was coming out of my voice but my head was just going legs stop shaking stop shaking and I don't know a verse in I just collapsed on the floor I did. I just fell. My legs stopped working. And, you know, I just started crying because what do you do? You've just fallen on the floor in front of a panel of people. (laughs) I got I got like one of those pity. You can be in the ensemble (laughs) (laughs) offers. But that moment scarred me. I I have sung in an audition room since, but never for a role that was like a musical theatre role. I think the last time I sang in an audition was for Magic Beach. And luckily I'd found out afterwards that they weren't looking for singers for that role because I was playing a child and they wanted someone that had a pretty authentic just sort of voice that wasn't musical theatre. So I had that going for me. But even just singing, I think I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I, I got, like, my legs started shaking again. I was like, it's going to happen again. <laughs> it didn't. But um, it has scarred me. Yeah. Moments like that really stick with you. They do, yeah. It's nerves. Yeah. Um, it does something to your voice. Yeah. Um, whereas it oddly can help me in a straight audition nerves. Yeah. It can and it can't. I think it definitely depends. But I often find if... I'm in a show and I'm in the wings and I'm not feeling nervous, that's when I feel like something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Nerves help me stay focused as well. Yeah. So I think it's an important thing to have. You just can't let the fear get in front of that as well. That's right. Hmm. And then when you've done an audition and you've mastered your nerves and <laughs> you're successful, um, when, how do you feel when you get in the room? Do you do you have a sense of imposter syndrome or it's funny, I don't always have this experience, but while we're on Sport for Jove, I I, I I remember when the audition brief came up and I went, I am gonna be in this show. I I I'm gonna work really hard on this audition piece. I I, I like cancelled work for three days because that didn't have meant much time to mm. it was quite a few scenes uh we had to learn well we didn't have to learn them but of course me being a perfectionist I said I'm going to learn them um and I just worked really really hard on them to the point where when I went in the room I went I'm just gonna have fun mm. I'm just gonna play I'm not gonna think too much about this this might this might be my last time auditioning for sport for Jove. who knows I'm just gonna have fun and I remember there was a point halfway through the audition where I was like I'm having a great time I don't I don't care what the outcome is I'm having a great time and that was the one mm. I don't always have that experience but it it is helpful when the people you're auditioning for are so encouraging mm. and create a, a an audition room which feels like a rehearsal room because yeah. I feel like every actor can relate to once you get the part, all those 
nerves about the imposter syndrome and everything, they do drop away because mm. you go, I've got the part now. Yeah. Okay. Although I will say, I, I've just said that, but I am going to backtrack a little bit. The times that I do get imposter syndrome is usually after I've gotten the part. <laughs> yeah. It works backwards for me. It's not while I'm auditioning for it. No, well, that was sort of yeah. what I meant. Like when you're in the actual rehearsal room, I mean, that that seems to happen to a lot of people of, you know, you you get the role and then, oh, God, <laughs> I can't do this role. Yeah. I Slash, like, look at all these amazing people. Yeah, I, I definitely being surrounded by so much talent, there's like this this level you feel like you need to hit or that you're not up to par mm. and it's just constantly reminding yourself that you made it this far they saw something in you just yeah. go with that go with what you're confident doing just because you're saying all those things to yourself doesn't necessarily help it. and if you keep working on that mindset it's the same as the practice thing if you're, yeah if you're practicing going telling yourself those things which are true yeah you did no get i know you deserve to be there thank you things. i think also yeah. If you're given a role, like, as you like it, that I didn't audition for, I don't know why I didn't um, c- contemplate that I wouldn't be offered the role I was going for. But Oh, right. So you're saying that you auditioned for one role and you got given a completely other one. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. But in hindsight, I think, for example, all the Celia's had to read Rosalind anyway. I have a feeling it might have gone like that. But at the time, I went, I'm auditioning for Rosalind. Yeah. Um, so when I got Celia, obviously, over the moon, I was also offered Phoebe, who, ah, so excited. But going into the room going, ah, I don't know these people as well because I wasn't expecting no. to play these people. And you've learned the lines for the I've other role. Exactly, <laughs> I've learned the lines for the other role. Um, but now, because obviously, as you do, rehearsals, they change your mind, I, I can't picture myself playing the other ones. Mm. Um, I'm very grateful to have played Celia and Phoebe. And what about when you get the call saying that you didn't get the role? How do you cope with that kind of rejection feeling? Um, it depends on the role slash company, mm-hmm. I guess. I've had some experiences where I've felt, and this has happened as I've gotten older, where I felt relief, oh. um, which is very telling about whether sometimes I audition for things and I don't actually know if I want it for whatever reason. And then my reaction is very telling of what I wanted. So I won't know mm. how I'm going to react until I get that news. Sometimes, and I've had the experiences where I've just broken down and it's been really hard, but um, as I've gotten older and you experience rejection a lot, and I have, I've gotten a lot of rejections, um, you start going, okay, next. Yeah. But it's, there's no... My agent often, often actually says that when he gives me the the no. Yeah. He'll go like, next. Yeah. And, and that actually always makes me feel actually better because yeah. it's not, oh, we didn't get this one thing the world is over exactly it's like hey that didn't happen what's next yeah and i like that mindset of going it's okay. such a good mindset to get into yeah I, I it's it's just so easy to put so much into a role like for example sport for drove i think if i didn't get that i would have been quite heartbroken i think i would have struggled to go okay next because i just mm, really felt it was mm. a dream um but that's okay. I think I would have gotten over it. You know? Yeah. It, it would have been okay. And and you also never know. You never you know. know. Because it's so you may hard. not have got that for any particular reason, but then a year, two years, five years down the track. I had an experience not that long ago where I'd auditioned for something and it was a, a project I was really interested in. I got the call back and then I got the news I didn't get it. I was like, oh, that's a shame. And then about six months later, I got an email from them saying um, the person who was in the show can no longer do it. You were next in line. Do you want it? I couldn't because I was touring. Mm. But just going, oh, I was actually really close. Yeah. You know? So that's another like reminder that you can't let it kind of defeat you. No. And sometimes you don't get a role because it is how tall you are. Or mm. I think the worst I ever took, I, I just had a flashback. So I auditioned for Puffs, which is a uh, a comedy about 
uh, the it was like all the the books of Harry Potter, but from the Hufflepuffs' perspective. And I auditioned for Harry Potter. I auditioned for Moaning Myrtle, and I auditioned for I think her name was Megan or Meg. I've forgotten the the lead woman and I, I made it through all these stages and I had such a good time with it and then finally I got to the end and they filmed our final auditions and at the time I wasn't really confident in front of a camera cameras really freak me out yeah. I'm an actor but cameras freak me out yeah. and I just gave a, a completely different version of all the things I had done I, I, I could remember the lines. I had to have script in hand all of a sudden. I, I was putting emphasis on weird words. Like, it was just a really awkward audition. And I'd gone through about three days of auditions by this point. And then I found out that the casting people in the room weren't actually casting. They sent that footage to America and they chose based on the footage. So I'd spent three days building a rapport kind of doing a fairly good job I thought and then they told me that they were considering me for the swing which is why I'd auditioned for so many characters and but it wasn't their decision and and then you start playing the audition over in your head and you go oh if only I did that differently if I made a different choice there why did I get nervous when there was a camera in front of me it can take the tiniest thing to change just turn the tides and that plays in my head sometimes I'm an anxious person, so those things, you know, they creep into your nightmares and they will replay and morph and mutate into something bigger and And the what if or if only I'd can be really problematic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, the last audition I did, I I walked out and then my first thought was, maybe I could just go back in again and do it again. Yeah. I'm sure I would be much better if I just, now that I've figured out all the things I didn't do good. Also, all the nerves wash away when you walk out of an audition right, room yeah. and you go, ah, oh, just let me go back in. Yeah, let me, okay, forget about that. Let's try again. Yeah. Now I've had space with it. I go, oh, I was so close. How cool was that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, took Great. me time. Let's start to celebrate it yeah. instead. So you mentioned just before about feeling that the nerves in front of a camera mm. are you primarily theater focused do you have ambition to kind of do film and tv stuff as well what's your kind of um i love film i love watching film i can picture myself being a film actor but it it is always been an area where I, maybe that's where the imposter syndrome comes in where i think maybe it's because I can't watch myself it's like when you hear your own voice back sometimes and you go yeah. Ugh. Um, I watch myself and I immediately will pick up all the bad things whereas theatre you know you're in the moment and I'm not going to watch a no. recording of a theatre product I wouldn't even choose to if I had the option to be honest <laughs> yeah. um, but there was a period where I thought I really want to work on this I had I did a bachelor of performance and film was a small part of it but I thought I hadn't done a lot of it I was getting some film work, actually. I did a web series. It was actually, I think, my first acting gig aside from the kids' theatre. I did a web series called LARP, The Crowblade Chronicles. Wow. Uh, it was about live-action role-playing. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, I played, I was, like, a part of this team of women and... Um, the there was another team of like men and they couldn't attack the women because they were a bit nervous <laughs> and then there was like this this great scene where we had like prosthetic orc makeup anyway wow. that was fun um i thought i really want to combat this this fear of the camera i have so i auditioned for stella adler the art of acting studio in los angeles I, actually i auditioned for the new york one and then i got in Wow. Panicked um, and then realized I couldn't afford it oh. and deferred for a year. And then I saved that whole year so I could do it. And then I was like, I'm ready to go. And they, and at the time, I think tr- the Trump had just gotten in. And there was the all Trump. the Trump. Yeah. Um, the Trump card happened. And there was some strange rules about um, international students needing um, a student visa to go to the New York school. Anyway, it had, all these rules had changed, but they went, you can still go to Los Angeles and do a very similar course. And I went, why not? So 
I, I went to Los Angeles. I studied Stella Adler. Um, and all of that was, it was a film and TV intensive. And that really helped in building my confidence on the camera, hugely helped. And I also learned the most valuable lesson I will learn from that. And that is, I love theater more. Yeah. I spent a lot of money and time learning all facets of film acting. And I came out of it and went, theater's my jam. Mm. That is to say, I, I will I will audition for film works if my agent sends through anything. Woo, <laughs> I'll do yeah. it. Uh, but it's not where my heart is. Yeah, interesting. So um, was it a year-long course or a six-week course? Um, I was offered the two-year course, but I couldn't afford it. Uh, so I did, I think it was uh, four months. So it wasn't, it wasn't super long. Uh, but it was long enough. I lived there. Living in LA was horrible. <laughs> I, right. did, I didn't enjoy LA. The awe factor wore off after a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I also was staying in a hostel, which wasn't supposed to be a hostel. It was advertised as an Airbnb. And I was at the share house with, it was like, oh, with two or three people. And there was like 28 people. Oh, gosh. And, um, oh, there was bed bugs. I, I had a really like full on LA experience, but I met some incredible people. My teachers were great. And they taught me a lot about myself. And if I ever did choose to pack up and go to America, I feel like I'd be well equipped, like with a toolkit on how to approach how the casting works over there. It was a very, it's very different from Australia. So there wasn't a lot of skills in that area that I could take back to Australia and go apply it because mm. it just, it's just different. Mm. And do you think that you will take your acting overseas at some point? Or, or do you have plans to or dreams to? Um, there was a period there where I thought I wanted to go to the UK just because theatre is, you know, that's where that's where all the greats are, in my mm. opinion. Yeah. And, um, you know, where Shakespeare really comes to life. But it's not something I will be disappointed with if, I, if it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I love Australia. I know the industry is small, but I, I've been all over Australia now and I really love it. And if I can, if I can make it here, if I can even just comfortably work as an actor with what I'm doing now for the rest of my life, I will, I will be happy. Hmm. You've talked about doing the, the Stella Adler classes. Have you done many other classes or do you regularly go to classes for theatre-related things? I have done that, but the short answer is no. Mm-hmm. I I know so many actors that really swear by them and recommend them to me, but there's a lot of factors that kind of make me rethink it. Money is a big one. Yeah. I, like They're very expensive, and that's not to say they're not deserving of that cost. I mean, the people that run those classes are extraordinarily talented, and they should be paid for the advice that they... Uh, put on other people but um I also I don't know I get a little bit self-conscious in those type of classes I am working at the moment so there is that part of me that goes well I take those classes so I can get work and if I'm getting work right now do I need to take those classes and you know if I come up with a bit of a quiet spell where I've got nothing going on, that's when my mind wanders to taking those classes. But honestly, I'd prefer to take short courses in fields that I don't have experience in rather than the ones that I already do. Yeah. I taken some short classes in like lighting design. Yeah, cool. Um I did sword know. fighting and stage combat for yeah. ages. So cool. Like I'm like I'm not I mean, I might use this at a play, but it's not like going to do scene work. No, exactly. Like... I, I Scene work and such, I can work on that in my own time. Yeah. And I do. Yeah. So, yeah, short answer is no. I just don't think it's for me. Mm. The financial thing is interesting too, and you've mentioned that a couple of times. I think one of the hard things and one of the, you know... Difficult survival tactics is managing your money and knowing where to invest in yourself and in your life and (laughs) and how to, you know, 
manage having side hustle jobs and um, all of that at the same time as trying to get the acting jobs. And I know you've you've had a retail work. Mm. How how do you kind of go with all of that side of things, like managing the job hopping and? Mm, I've always had a day job. Yeah. Um, I've always worked in retail. Um, I just living in Sydney and renting in Sydney. I don't think there's a way to avoid it unless you are working for a really big theatre company or have got that regular TV show. And, you know, that just hasn't happened for me yet. Yet. But also, I guess, you know, even if you did get a big TV show or a big theatre company thing, they're not necessarily going to last you forever. No. So no. it's like getting the ad. You know, exactly. you get a massive pay packet and then... No, I've always had the day job. And, you know, it's, it is sort of nice having a break from hmm. acting as well. And also being good at other things things like there are building your skills exactly i mean if there's one thing i think a lot of people can relate during lockdown so many hobbies were just like i i started bread was so so much bread was baked um roller skating uh (laughs) ah you were the you were a roller i was roller skating uh some knitting um as you know yes i will add that jade is an amazing knitter (laughs) Is that sure. correct terminology? I wouldn't know that far. Can, I can make can a beanie. Very well. I can make a good beanie. Yes. And I, I own a jade beanie. <laughs> um, a bit of sewing, but I never perfected any of them. It's like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of thing. But it's really nice having an outlet, creative or otherwise, that you go, I'm proficient in this and I just want to spend a day doing that. Hmm. I think yeah. it's good for your mental health, which is a whole other topic when it comes to the performing arts. Yeah, and having to learn how to manage that amongst the finances and the stress of will I get in and... I will say one thing I do miss, I say miss, but, you know, I also don't miss it. When I was doing the freelance grind of constantly jumping from job to job some things were paid and most of it wasn't but you're constantly just going I, I need to be seen I need to get out there I need to learn you know um I was in a really good routine I was really on top of every day I would be doing movement and voice and just sort of really honing in on my craft and that's not to say that's completely disappeared but since I've sort of gone like my year is pretty much booked out now Mm. I will have like a couple of months here and there where I'm not um contracted to anything and it's not enough time to audition for other things Mm. um but it is enough time for me just to focus on my mental health and relax and prepare for the next project but weirdly having that me as the person I am having that time is really difficult I like being busy. Yeah, um, I'm that person and too. when I know I have a project in two months and I don't have enough time to fill it with other creative endeavours or what have you, or maybe I'm just not getting enough shifts at work or whatever, um, I spiral, I procrastinate, I I stay in bed all day, you know, I I get into bad routines and bad habits. Um and that's not to say I don't enjoy that sometimes, because mm. I do. But sometimes I can enjoy it too much, to the point where I have to then go, ah, oh, get ready, show ready, I have to get yeah, show ready and again. And to turn around and bring all your habits back in. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just something I have to work on. Mm. Um, and what about an agent? Have you got one of those? Did you get one straight out of drama school? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yes to both. I got one straight out of drama school. Um, they were a very flexible agent though so when I mentioned I was doing all this freelance work it wasn't through them so I had this agent who every now and then I'd get a a tv commercial audition or maybe something for a company I like but it was very few and far between most of the work I would find were my own and that's what I was used to in the last year and a half I haven't been with her long I've gotten myself a new agent mm-hmm. um, it's been amazing and uh, just having a really strong relationship with your agent who understands what you want yeah. and um, 
that who helps you prioritize the kind of work you want to do yeah um is hugely beneficial and it's it's relaxed me completely having this new agent and i often get caught in my own anxiety traps or i've been offered two parts what do i want (laughs) and just having someone i can voice that anxiety to and then can kind of even just to listen or to give me advice is just also that uh, has power to do something practical absolutely i was in that once and i was like what do i do i could be doing this or if i get this other role then i could do this and then he just kind of went cool well why don't i just call them both and see if they're (laughs) flexible on times and yeah like why I've been in a very just, similar yeah. situation, yeah, and it's... And you go, oh, cool, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I have a person that can actually do things do about this. <laughs> I don't just have to sit in the puddle and <laughs> worry. Yeah, I, I think agents are important. I mm. think... I know there are actors out there that might choose to never have one, and that's fine, but I think get yourself one. That'd be my advice. They're, they're good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that as a piece of advice because... <laughs> you know some people find it exceptionally challenging it is oh sorry i shouldn't um i shouldn't just be like go on just do that it's great but i know so many people that have emailed every agent under the sun and said hello and and like i say oh i know some people i know some incredible actors that why aren't they actually center stage of every play in the world who can't get in the door yeah yeah, there is there is a dollop of luck involved, isn't there? Mm. I guess that's sort of the industry that you step into. Is sometimes you just have to be at the right place at the right time and seen by the right people. Mm. And that's sort of what happened with my current agent too. You mentioned earlier that you started directing. Mm. Um, do you have idea to kind of go down that sort of creative path and do some more directing? Oh. I, there was a period where I was like, directing, that's what I want to do. I'm going to slowly, like, I will never stop acting, but I will slowly push that to the wayside and make Mm -hmm. directing my focus. And I think this is a classic example of what anxiety can do to you. And when you're not constantly working on your instrument, how it can become foreign to you is there was... So I made my, I say in quotations, debut, professional debut in directing. I directed a show at Hayes Theatre back in 2015. I I was like kind of freshish out of of drama school. Um, uh, Myself and a group of creatives from drama school had this show that we had developed at drama school. It was called Akio and it was like beautiful blend of physical theatre, children's theatre, um, and it was very much inspired by video games. We were all nerds. And um, we had just had this really cool idea, and we had the play, and we, um, myself and my friend Sasha, who was the producer, emailed just a bunch of theatre companies to try and get it seen. And just on a fluke, we emailed Hayes. It's not musical theatre, but we went, why not? Everyone came back with a no, Hayes called and went, this sounds great. Oh, it was it was so strange, let me tell you, because I love Hayes. I see shows there all the time. Yeah, me too. Um, we stressed again, this was a, it was a play with music, but no singing. Mm. Music was a very big factor of it. And they said, well, actually, we've been looking to date, like break into children's theatre. Uh, why don't you be our first? So we were the debut children's theatre at... Um, Hayes. Anyway, I directed the show. I directed it for months. I went through the casting process. I had a great time. The show was, I, in my opinion, wonderful. If I could do it again, I could make it a lot better. I've learned a lot since then. Uh, But I was proud of the work that I put into that. In fact, all of the creators, creatives involved. And then I started um, directing for like Short and Sweet and, um, you know, just like little things like that. I then directed another show called Budgie Smugglers of the Murrumbindji. It was it was actually hilarious. Um uh, at, at the theatre doesn't exist anymore. King Street Theatre in Newtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was just on a bit of a roll and then the kids company I was working for was like, We wanna direct a production of Snow Princess. Would you be up for it? And I was like, Yes I would. I'm a director. You know, <laughs> I was just getting really uh high on the feeling of directing and all that and then nothing 
just nothing. And also, I, oh, my naive brain after I directed at Hayes, I was like, <laughs> the opportunities are just going to pour in now. Yeah. Uh, nothing. A uh, complete dry sp- spell. And then I went years without directing another thing. Went back to acting. And that was, you know, I was still in freelance mode. So that was, you know, the hustle. And then by the time I came to directing something again, I just lost all my confidence. And I, um, so I started taking directing classes at NIDA. So that practice thing has come it's back around, It's that practice thing. Yeah. And, and honestly, and this has nothing to do with the teachers at NIDA or anything. I think it all came down to my confidence levels. I felt like that 13-year-old girl in that audition room when my knees gave out on me again. I just mm. felt like I, I'd forgotten everything. And I know I haven't. You know, it's all in there. But I was really taken back by how little I remembered and how mm. not confident I was um, during, like, I think it was second lockdown or in the between the between times of lockdown I I um wanted to produce my own work with my own theater company and I wanted to get back into directing again this was my way of going no get back on the horse and then lockdown and covid kept shutting down every single time I got a season confirmed and yeah. again that sort of shattered my confidence a little bit and I haven't gone back to it since but if anything, all of this has reminded me how much I love acting and it is something that I will always, I think, prioritise. Yeah. Even though there was a period there where I thought otherwise, I think I I will get back into directing. I just need to get confident in it again. Yeah. And so you just mentioned then you've set up your own theatre company? Oh, I've registered a name. Wow. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I again, so this is imposter syndrome or, you know, when you say, when do you start calling yourself an actor? I, yes, I have a name for a theatre company, but no shows have been produced yet. Uh, it's called Bear With Me Theatre Company. I lie, I've done one show at uh, Bondi Feast. I oh, put yeah. on. It was a Keo again, but for adults, and it was just a shorter comedy quite crass version of the same show Mm. it was something I had in my toolkit you know and I wanted to just put something on on the stage Mm. I I have plans for it but perhaps luckily or unluckily it's hard to say I'm I've been booked out yeah well that's amazing and that's exciting to kind of have we'll see I'm not gonna hold myself to anything it's there and it's something I want to do but and how does one set up a theatre company? You know, do you, is it, I mean, you've said you've registered a name. <laughs> do you kind of have a team of people who would kind of be working as part of it? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's just it. Get yourself even just a small group of people that you work well with who are interested in the same type of shows you want to put on. Um, for me, I have a friend who is a very talented writer who had just written a bunch of plays that I was in awe of and at the time it was a matter of just getting them seen Mm -hmm. um so in my head I was like oh I better make a theater company then you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) they better do that and I've surrounded myself with people that produce as well so I just learn from them ask questions all the time I'm asking questions Mm -hmm. sending emails getting advice uh like applying for grants and all of that jazz I've learnt the importance of having development time with the new work don't just jump into a rehearsal room and hope for the best I have a development even with it's if it's not with the actors you're gonna end up using it's invaluable and just keep applying for things what about success Mm. what does success mean to you I don't know Hmm. I knew this question might come up and even when I was trying to sort of pre think about it I couldn't I left it blank yeah I feel like right now being working as an actor doing what I love having time to myself and with my partner having time to live both my lives is success I really don't know yeah 
I think if you're happy, you're successful. You said before we started that you don't often talk about acting. Oh my gosh. Yeah, which is probably why, and I do apologise to the listeners, if you've made it this far, you've gone, I don't understand (laughs) what has been said. I don't... They'll be taking notes and they'll be like, wow, who is this person? (laughs) Follow her on Instagram. No, if you've skipped to the end and you've heard this question, I don't talk about acting much and that's because I avoid networking which is the time where you do talk about acting and that I'm I really can't stress this enough I'm I'm an introvert I don't talk to a lot of people the version of myself that is in a rehearsal room is very different to my self outside of a rehearsal room um and also I feel like I've taken what I've needed to take from my acting training uh, I'm not very good at talking about it. I, I don't think I've quite developed a vocabulary for it. I don't know. That's just my brain. I, I sometimes one actually one of my I don't know if I'd call it a fear. I guess it is a fear. Is I feel like I'm not smart enough to be an actor sometimes. Ah, uh, yes, I also have that fear. And I have a fear that I. Like, people are going to figure out that I actually don't know anything. That's, oh, yes, exactly that. And so, and I kind of sound and look and have an aura of smart. Mm. But, <laughs> not when I say it like you, that. You but, do have an aura of smart. Yeah, but, <laughs> I, but I'm like, ooh, they're going to figure out that I actually don't know anything about anything. This is how I feel, and I think that's yeah. why, I think it's less that I, well, I don't talk about acting much, but it's more that I don't like talking about acting much because it's going to reveal that I don't know how to talk. But also with acting, because some people do just love talking about every possible thing, like the method of it, the Mm. type of, I mean, I obviously love talking about acting because I've got a freaking podcast. (laughs) Um, But part of that for me is an exploration on how do we talk about not just acting, but being in the industry and, surviving and all those things um Mm. but it is interesting that the different ways that people approach it yeah um loving talking about it every two seconds or not at all yeah i don't mind hearing people talk about it to an extent Mm. i think particularly i find because i tour i tour a lot it's a big part of my job now um sometimes when you're in the theater all day the last thing I want to do is talk about acting. Yeah. And I get out. And some people just really, really love and live and breathe it. I need a break from it. Hmm. And that's okay. Definitely yeah. okay. <laughs> All right. We've come to the end and I would love to have your top five survival tips. Okay. Ask for help. Mm. Um, in whatever capacity that means to you, whether it's reaching out to people who are doing the kind of work that you want to do and getting advice um, or um, whether you're just you need friends or family around you that you need support from just ask for help you can't do it alone and that's okay we can do it alone we all can but having a support network is really important um, surround yourself with like minds mm. Uh, having people that see the way that you do through the lens that you look at the world can be hugely encouraging and beneficial to your creative flow. Um, This is a big one and something that I'm still learning. Uh, Don't be scared to say no. And when you're first starting out as an actor, oh, you're going so to have the mentality where you need to say yes to everything and you, you force yourself to say yes to everything. And it's only now that I can look at projects or people can ask things of me and I go, I, I don't want to do that. And I feel like I don't need to say yes just because it's going to get me seen. I should have had that mentality at the beginning. Um value yourself enough to say no um don't use acting as a way to hide from yourself i think 
knowing yourself to a certain degree is important. You'll keep learning about yourself as you're growing, you change. But I think if you're getting into acting because you don't like who you are, I think you need to learn to love who you are before you can take on the challenges that acting has ahead for you. So whether that means, I don't know, traveling, fall in love, get your heart broken, take, go meditating, whatever it is, learn to love the good and bad about yourself and then approach acting for what it is. And number five, uh, go to drama school. Ah. Yeah. I think it's really, and I know, I know a lot of my friends who are good actors who are going to listen to this and go, um, excuse me, who, who don't and just take lots of short courses and stuff like that. I think there are things you learn in a three year bachelor's or whatever that you just cannot learn in short increments. You learn so much about yourself in those courses. And of course, this is just my experience, but, uh, yeah. Wow. Such, such incredible tips. Thank you so much, Jay. That's really amazing. Um, thank you Um, and thanks for coming on the podcast you're welcome thanks for having me I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of An Actor Survives with me, Emily McKnight. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, follow us on Instagram and share with your friends. Your support means a lot. Thanks. The music used in this podcast is an excerpt from Saw, a marimba concerto by Robert Otago.